Hey, y'all, we're rerunning two episodes today. Enjoy the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome to This Day in History class, where we bring you a new tidbit from history every day. The day was March 13th, 1988. Deaf President Now, a student protest at Gallaudet University in Washington, D.C., came to a close. As a result, Dr. I. King Jordan was named the eighth but first deaf president of the university. Just a week earlier, another hearing person had been chosen as the seventh president of the university. Gallaudet is a university for people who are deaf and hard of hearing. So this decision was a disappointment to many people on campus and in the deaf community. There were plenty of deaf people who were qualified for the position. People have been asking for a deaf person to be named president for a while, and two of the three finalists for the presidency were deaf. But the board of trustees had decided to appoint Elizabeth A. Zinser, the only hearing candidate to the position. This sparked outrage and marked the start of a week-long protest that would catalyze change at the university and in American deaf culture and law. Gallaudet University was founded in 1864, but in all those years leading up to the protests in 1988, the university had never had a deaf president. Considering it's a university specifically for the deaf and hard of hearing, that may seem pretty ridiculous. But there were still prejudices against deaf and hard of hearing people. And there was conflict within the community of educators of deaf people. Some educators, dubbed manualists, supported using sign language to teach deaf students. The other camp, the oralists, believed deaf people should learn to read lips and speak. So educators at Gallaudet and other schools for the deaf were mainly people who could hear. Some schools didn't hire any deaf teachers. And in the beginning at Gallaudet, there weren't many deaf candidates who were qualified to be president of the university because education for the deaf in the United States was sorely lacking. All of this is why by 1988, Gallaudet had only had male presidents who could hear. But between 1983 and 1987, the school had trouble keeping presidents. It went through three of them in that short time. When the seventh president, Jerry Lee, stepped down in 1987, the board of trustees began the search for someone who could take his spot. A consultant was hired to make sure the school found the best candidates. By mid-January, the pool was narrowed down to three deaf people and three hearing people. And on February 28th, the three finalists were announced. Dr. Harvey Corson, Dr. I. King Jordan, and Dr. Elizabeth Zinser. Corson and Jordan were both deaf men, while Zinser was a hearing woman. By this point, there was no valid reason for a deaf person not to be president of the university. Throughout the search for a new president, deaf advocacy groups, faculty, and alumni have been lobbying for a deaf president. President George Bush and civil rights leader Jesse Jackson had even made known their support for a deaf president of the university. But it was the action of the university students that really kicked the momentum into high gear. On March 1st, more than 1,000 students, faculty, advocates in the deaf community, and other supporters of the movement participated in a rally to demand a deaf president. 
Over the next several days, the student body government president asked Zinsser to withdraw. Students camped out in tents, and a TV crew came out to the campus. So when the board of trustees interviewed each candidate on the 5th and the 6th, it seemed like there was a good chance the next president would be deaf. Instead, at 6.30 p.m., the board handed out press releases saying they'd pick Zinsser, the only hearing candidate. And people were upset. Some of the protesters met with the board after interrupting a press conference the chair of the board and one of the deaf trustees held. But not much progress was made. So students began boycotts, sit-ins, and marches in protest of the board's decision. By March 7th, protest leaders had formalized their demands. They were that, one, Elizabeth Zinsser must resign and a deaf person be selected president. Two, Jane Spillman must step down as chairperson of the board of trustees. Three, deaf people must constitute a 51% majority on the board. And four, there would be no reprisals against any student or employee involved in the protest. But the board didn't budge. So the protesters formed the Deaf President Now Council, an assembly of students, faculty, staff, alumni, interpreters, fundraisers, and legal liaisons. The protest gained more media attention. And on March 10th, Zinsser announced her resignation. On Sunday, March 13th, the board met and announced that they would honor the other conditions. Dr. I. King Jordan was named president. Jordan went on to play a role in supporting the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990, and he remained president until 2006. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to learn more about the Deaf President Now protest, listen to the episode of Stuff You Missed in History class called Deaf President Now. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at T-D-I-H-C podcast. We'll see you here in the same place tomorrow. Hey y'all, I'm Eves. Welcome to This Day in History class, a show where we one day ship nuggets of history straight to your brain through your ear hole. The day was March 13, 1697. Nopitan, the capital of the Mayan kingdom of Petén Itza, fell to Spanish troops. The city, which was located in present-day Guatemala, was the last center of Maya resistance. The Maya peoples are a group of indigenous Mesoamericans whose history dates to before 2000 BCE. They were centered in the Yucatan Peninsula and modern-day Guatemala and Belize, as well as parts of Mexico, Honduras, and El Salvador. The Maya of the Southern Lowland region reached their peak during the Classic period, which began around 250 CE. The population size was large, cities flourished, and historic monuments were built. The Maya also fostered great cultural development, creating writing and calendar systems and building trade networks. They made advances in math and astronomy and are credited with some of the earliest uses of rubber and chocolate. Their society consisted of a bunch of independent states. 
But by 900 CE, Mayan cities and southern lowlands were abandoned and the civilization in that area had collapsed. Though the reasons for this collapse aren't completely clear, it could have been due to the degradation of the environment or conflicts between competing city-states. But even after this collapse, Mayan cities in the northern lowlands area still flourished, and the Maya established cities in the highlands region. The Mesoamerican people known as the Itza lived in the Yucatan Peninsula in the post-classic period, which lasted from around 900 to 1500 CE. They were descended from a Maya lineage. In the 1400s, the Itza abandoned Mayapan, the capital of Yucatan. Yucatan then transformed from a single kingdom into many rival states. In the early 1500s, as the Spanish began colonizing the Americas, indigenous populations were decimated due to war and foreign diseases that the Spanish brought with them. The Itza had established power in Patan. Their capital was Nopatan, which was on an island in Lake Petén, Itza in modern-day northern Guatemala. But during the colonial period, the population in the area began to decline. In the 1520s, Spanish invader Hernán Cortés passed through Patan and came in contact with the Itza. Patan remained politically independent from the Spanish for a while after they began their conquest on the continent. The Spanish launched several assaults against the Itza, and a Maya group known as the Cowoj also went up against the Itza for control of the Patan Lakes region. Though the Itza were successful in their resistance to Spanish rule until the late 17th century, Nopatan fell in 1697. On March 13th, Spanish troops from Yucatan, led by Martín de Ursúa, attacked and occupied Nopatan. This made Nopatan the last independent Maya city to fall to the Spanish. Though Spanish rule greatly affected Mayan culture, some Mayan villages persisted, independent of Spanish authority. The island that was home to the city of Nopatan is now home to the town of Flores. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have any insight on an accent or a pronunciation spoken in the show today, you can feel free to send us a kind note on social media at T-D-I-H-C podcast. And you can send your thoughts or comments to us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'll be back tomorrow with another one. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.